0: Things I want to get off my chest. What's up, everybody? You know it's Fake Right Podcast, episode three. Hopefully, one day I get to say that it's been 300 episodes. I don't see why not. I mean, I'm always going to keep watching wrestling as bad as it seems to have gotten lately. Um, this is a pretty cool episode, though, because uh, right around this time every year, uh, WWE does a tour kind of of the Northeast, and they come to Bangor, Portland, Boston. Um, this year was pretty cool because you know I live five minutes away from the Civic Center here in Portland, Maine, and they did a house show there Sunday afternoon, and then the following night we went to Raw in Boston. And I don't think I've been to a Raw since 1999, I want to say, classic Attitude Era stuff, um, and so you know, I'm always gonna compare things to that, but I wanted to see what it was like to go to a RAW in 2015, um, because I've been to tons and tons of house shows through the years, and house shows are great. So House shows are hit or miss. Um, sometimes you get um uh, a really lackluster crowd. Uh, the production value is not there. Some of the some of the guys kind of write it in and and you know don't show up really. And you can tell when guys are trying to put on good matches or not, or they're just fucking around. Um. The one I saw in Boston in June when The Rock returned out of the blue uh, had a Seth Rollins and Ambrose Cage match. It had Kevin Owens and Cena. They did like a 20-minute just awesome, awesome match. Ziggler, Jericho, Cesaro, Tyson Kidd had not gotten injured yet. Um, Just a stacked card from top to bottom, and it was just a really, really good show. Probably about 10,000 to 11,000 people there, so it was much different than some of these smaller venues. Um, so I'm going to cover the Portland House show, kind of give you an idea of what that's like um, and who we bumped into in the hallway. And uh, then I'll cover the Boston Raw and give you the, uh, kind of what I at least took away from seeing Raw live and watching it on television. Because there, there are some differences, um, to be noted, I think, anyway. And what it's like to sit through a three hour raw, um, with a 30 minute or uh, 45 minute superstars taping, which, uh, they have Cesaro on, uh, beats, is it Adam Rose, Adam Rose, Adam Rose's new gimmick. I would tell you one thing. Um, Adam Rose's new gimmick is just, uh, man, he might've been the second or third uh, match in Portland, but we'll get to that here in a second. So anyway, so, um, Sunday it was five o'clock. We all met at a bar three o'clock earlier in the day. It was so great because we had a couple of friends, my roommate, uh, Lumpy, who's going to get on this podcast sooner than later as a casual wrestling fan, and um, my buddy Joe and uh, Matt Moran. Uh, and we met up with a couple people at uh, a bar before, have some drinks, have a little bit of food. Um, and I met a gentleman by the name of Stuart, uh, who is just uh, an awesome, awesome. Uh, you know what? I'm not even going to say what he is, because I think he's English, but if he's listening to this, he's probably going to get pissed at me if I screwed it up. Um, he's a soccer coach here at a, at a university or a college in Maine, and i uh, going to have him on in the future, because we hit it off. I mean, this guy was like a wrestling encyclopedia, and we just kept talking and talking and talking, and uh, we talked about getting him on the podcast in, in the next couple of weeks, so we can kind of have another voice in here giving opinions. But from what I could see, we share quite a few opinions, so if Stu... If I screwed your name up, if I screwed your uh, your uh, your heritage up, I'm very sorry. I think you're English, <laughs> British, um, but no, great guy. So we'll have him on soon. Uh, might have a, a a WWE legend on soon. Uh, might have another uh, fellow podcaster uh, who's a who's a good friend of mine, and uh, we'll kind of go from there. So we've been at the bar uh, before, and. Um, we walked over to the Civic Center, and it's, it's really weird because usually in a city before a house show, there's a buzz, or at least the bars surrounding it, um, you, there's, there's fans or there's people out wearing shirts and all this kind of stuff. Um, Portland's a weird market. you know. They were in Bangor the night before. I would assume they probably did more people in Bangor because Bangor is a very historic kind of Northeast Portland, uh, I mean, WWE territory, WWF. Um, that's where Vince McMahon got his start back when Vince Sr. kind of gave him the, the reins and said, Listen, we're going to send you up to Bangor. You know, if you can't do anything in Bangor, Maine, then you, know, you can't do anything anywhere. And he went up and made Bangor a really hot uh, territory back in the 70s. So I think a lot of people from, because Maine's a very big state. So, you know, you have Portland, which everybody kind of knows. Um, and you have the rest of the state, which is, you know, you can drive six hours to the top. So you have a lot of people coming down from the north, the west, uh, d- uh, down east, which if you're not familiar with Maine lingo, down east. far east to the right, far east, halfway up the coast, mid-coast, kind of that area, um, going to Bangor. So, And that show ran parallel with the MSG show. So the MSG show was getting Cena, Rollins, Ziggler, Ryback, Big Show, of course, Lesnar, um, New Day, and then the shows that we were seeing, Bangor and Portland, because the night we went to our show, they were also running a show um, at Worcester, Mass. So MSG got uh, the same show as Worcester, Mass., uh, uh, sans Brock Lesnar, minus Brock Lesnar. So, our card is pretty good. Uh, not so good in some parts, and I'll let you know what, <laughs> what those matches were. Um, so, yeah, so let's get into it. So, we go in. So, on the way in, very weird again. Not, not a big crowd. So, this arena is a lower-level arena. It's for a, uh, a minor league hockey team. They have kind of big concerts there. I would say comfortably with seats between 5,000 5 and 6,000. Uh, so smaller than like a TD Garden or a Madison Square Garden, um, you know there really is no nosebleed, but you know f- fairly big. And I would say, conservatively, probably uh, fourteen hundred people. I mean it, and I've been watching these this, these trends the past couple of years. I started going to house shows back in the early twenty twelve again, and this is probably the least amount of people I've seen in a show. Um, you know, if you had to put everybody in one section, I would probably say you could fit them all on one side of the arena and the other side of the arena would be completely empty. And it's weird. You know, it's, it's Portland's not a wrestling town. Portland's very like, um, uh, up and coming beer scene, food scene, hipstery. Uh, the last thing that any of those people want to talk about is pro wrestling. But then there's people like me that talk about it and love it. Uh, that that knew of this show. Um so yeah, tickets were twenty-eight bucks. And we got row three in the Loge, Loge, lower area, you know, fifty feet from the ring. Twenty-eight bucks. Um so that was a good deal. Um and, you know, it was it, it was a weird mix. You know, the, the card saw um let's see here. I'm trying to pull up. I can't really call the the first match of the night was Cesaro versus the Miz. I feel like every time I go see a wrestling show, a house show, the Miz is the opening match. And it just blows my fucking mind that this guy is still a wrestler, that he's still uh, decent on the mic, needs to move into a manager role. Um, He's the kind of guy that makes a guy like me go, Jesus Christ, I should have gotten to pro wrestling. Because if that guy can do it, I can definitely do it. Um, Cesaro, good pop. Everybody loves Cesaro. Um, It was a pretty sloppy match, though. Uh, Miz looked like he didn't want to take certain moves and he would put his knee down to almost brace his fall so if he's taking a move to the face everything the body so he put his knee out and it just took away from the overall pop of hitting the mat and it just kind of took a lot of the people in the crowd were like oh, miss fuck that up um so that was the opening match um the next match we got to see heath slater so this is like again you're gonna see like the the superstars and main event guys at house shows. And at the very end, you're going to get, like, guys you might see on Raw. So the next match was Heath Slather versus Fandango. Uh, Fandango is from Maine, actually. I've lived with him a couple times. He's a good guy. Comes back to Maine every once in a while. Um, you know, but the thing is, too, again, not a lot of people know he's from this area. And it's, like, um, got a pretty good ovation. There were, you know, probably 100 people there that knew, family, friends, whatever. Um, this match didn't even – there was, like, two matches that didn't even start, so this match didn't even start, Heath Slater kept jumping out of the ring jumping back in the ring, jumping out of the ring for like literally five minutes and so Heath Slater tries to jump the top rope and when he jumps the top rope, he slips on the top rope and Fandango rolls him up, one, two, three (laughs) that was the match, not even kidding, so yeah, man, it just was ugh, god Um, people gave Fandango a nice round of applause, I think most people, um most people knew, um, you know, kind of that he's from me, and they give him a nice little standing ovation, and uh, and that was that. So I think the next match was a three way tag team match with probably all this the uh, the tag teams you don't want to see: Lucha Dragons, Ascension, and Los Matadors. Um, Lucha Dragons, where I get the biggest pop out of all of these teams, but it was not big by any means. Ascension got zero reaction along with Los Matadores. Um, Kind of a spot fest. Uh, It looked like a minute left to go. Uh, Bad to the Bone played, and El Torito came out and helped Blue Dragons get the win. And it's funny because as casual wrestling fans, as like two of the guys I was with and the other guy knows what's going on, their minds just kind of blown. They're having a good time, but they're seeing, like, the worst WWE has to offer um, in, like, Heath Slater and The Miz and Ascension and all that kind of stuff. Like, Fandango's great, but they didn't give him a match. Um, can work his ass off. Cesaro's great. Didn't give him a match. Can work his ass off. You know, Miz was just not working with him. Um, next match, Braun Strowman versus Swagger. Again, I don't. I can't tell you the last time I saw Jack Swagger. I don't know. I was like, he's still in the company? Um decent reaction for swagger still did the we the people which is weird because it feels like it's like a time warp and that happened like two years ago um but then uh Strowman, and the lights go out he just just appears in the ring and to see this guy in person is is, i mean even from where we were sitting the ref looked like a child next to him uh and you know swagger six five six six you know gave up three or four inches at least to this guy um just an enormous, enormous person. Um, he got the win after like a few minutes, uh, with that submission movie does where he bear hugs the guy. Um, it was actually pretty interesting. He's not that bad in the ring. Uh, I've heard reports that he's not, he's pretty green, which he probably is. Um, but they actually let swagger get in some, some offense, which if this was on TV, it would be the biggest thing in the world. Cause on raw and SmackDown, they build him up to be this guy who needs like 10 guys to take him down. Swagger guy got, got into quite a bit of offense. I mean, Uh, you know, no one will ever see this match, but that's, you know, that was kind of shocking to me. Um, let's see here. The next match, next match was a divas match. I believe I'm just trying to cute my notes here. Um, Tamina with Sasha versus Natalia. Um, really weird. Um, they, I mean, she's from Maine. She was tweeting out and talking the entire weekend about how she used to do Bangor in Portland and Massachusetts and New Hampshire. And so people know Sasha Banks in the Northeast. I'm a huge Sasha Banks fan. Um, took me a little while to come around. Um, everything from her ring entrance to her music to, like, her work rate. Like, she works like a like a cruiserweight. Like, she's, she is really a good. I mean, it's just Sasha Banks just has that it factor. And I think people are kind of getting fed up with her not being on Raw as much. So there was a lot of We Want Sasha Chance. Natalya um, got a good pop. I fucking cannot stand Natalya. Uh, what ruined it for me was seeing her on Total Divas. She is the definition of a Punisher. That's all I'm going to say about that match. I think she won with the Sharpshooter, whatever. Uh, Sasha Banks got cheered throughout and lots of Sasha Chance. Um, yeah. So next match uh luke harper kind of the semi-main uh luke harper versus dean ambrose um dean ambrose great pop i've seen him wrestle i think i saw him do uh one of his first house shows in early 2012 late 2011 in augusta maine where he just wore black trunks he was still moxley at that johnny moxley at that point um and uh i was like wow this guy's pretty good but then when he came in with the shield obviously everybody knows what happened with that um and again a character who they fucked with and fucked with and fucked with this entire year made um serious and then made derpy and then made uh kind of like slapstick comedy and then they teased giving him the belt and then kind of just forgot about him once lesnar came back so um yeah but great match actually went quite a few minutes uh this kind of got the crowd going a little bit because up until this point there hadn't been too much to get excited about um ambrose eventually got the uh the Dirty Deeds for the win. Um, it took an intermission. Uh, during intermission, I just kind of walked around to see, and it's just so funny how WWE um, chooses to split these shows. And you just walk out, and there's not a lot of themed. It just. I'm gonna later on. I'll touch on how this is like way different from Raw. Um, it's just it didn't seem exciting. You know, people were just kind of the 1,400 people maybe that were there were just kind of walking around. They had a tiny, tiny merch table with sixty percent Cena merchandise. All those orange fucking shirts, um, and all these kids were like buying it and like excited about it. But like their parents had to like tell them that Cena wasn't there. Um, so yeah. So uh, intermission's done. Uh, good thing about this arena is that beers are only five bucks, as opposed to Boston last night where they were ten fucking seventy-five. So that's cool about going to a smaller show too. Um, The next match, R-Truth versus Party Pooper Adam Rose. I got to tell you, I don't like R-Truth. Great guy, I'm sure. Um, Just the the what's up thing, just not not my deal at all. Um, The Adam Rose character, though, I think it's hilarious. Um, He almost sounds... Like Sasha Baron Cohen, almost. Uh, It's really funny, just just talking about. And it was really funny too. He, he on Raw brought up to Cesaro, which I'll touch on in a minute. He's like, he used to be everybody's favorite, you know, internet darling. You know, you were going to be a championship contender, and now you're here wrestling me. And then he sets up into the effect like that of our truth, where he's like, oh, he's like you were, you know, you had your heyday, but now you're in Portland, Maine, wrestling me. So it's like this really weird like truth to that, but. Anyway, so they come out. He runs down Portland, whatever. Uh, again, this is a non-match. He challenges him to a dance contest to which Adam Rose cues up I'm Too Sexy by Right Said Fred um, and does a ridiculous dance to which was so funny and ridiculous, everybody cheered for him. <laughs> so then uh, R-Truth goes to dance. He might start dancing for like a few minutes. Uh, Adam Rose tries to sucker punch him. R-Truth, I think, just hits him with a corkscrew kick and that's it. And that, that was the match. Again, like a two two second match after like a 5 minute kind of dance off build up. Um but yeah. So, um second to last match, King Barrett versus Ryback. Uh only thing good about this match was that King Barrett um at House Shows is not required to wear that stupid fucking crown and cape anymore. Um, I think he might still have the crown, but at least he's back to wearing just trunks and kind of trying to be an ass kicker. They need to do some serious rehab on that guy's character. Cause they, again, fucked around with another guy who, hey, let's, let's let him win King of the ring and then let's just bury him and let him go away for a few months. Um, just ridiculous. Ryback. Um, I've said it before on this program. I'm sure he's a nice guy. I'm sure he's a hard worker. The, uh, he would be perfect in 1989. Ryback. That would be, you know, Vince McMahon. I'm sure would blow his load for Ryback, and he probably still has blown his load for him right now. Um, no pop, uh, booed quite a bit. Uh, Ryback, uh, not that great of a match. Um, Ryback hit the meat hook after I don't even remember what happened in the match. Uh, Shell Shock for the win. Uh, and then now we're we're coming up on our main event. Uh, so before the main event, I remember when I went to Portland last year for a house show. I remembered where Roman Reigns entered from. And then I remembered uh, that there's not many people in the hallways at all. And it's a pretty small arena. You can run from either side to the next. So my buddy Joe and I go to where he entered last year. <laughs> and we go around the side. We're like, all right, well, if he's not there, we'll just get a beer and go back to our seats. And he, he peeks around the corner. And I don't know if he was in character yet. He goes into character. There might be like eight other people um, that are watching this shit happen. And he comes around the corner, and I got to tell you, um, I'm a big guy, uh, reasonably big guy. I'm about 205 pounds. I haven't been to the gym in a few weeks because of a, a pinched nerve in my neck. Uh, but I'm a, I'm a pretty muscular guy. Uh, Compared to in my group of friends, I, I'm probably one of the bigger people in our group. Uh, I love to work out. Uh, I'm 5'11". So I'm a decent-sized guy. And you see Roman Reigns on TV, and you see him, you're like, well, they, they say he's a big guy, and they say this and that and the third. And, but, you know, he's not really big, 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 like how some of the other guys used to be. Um, this motherfucker came around the corner and he was all of six, three and a half, six, four. Um, I was taken back by actually how big this motherfucker was. And it was hilarious cause he was sniff- he was sniffing, uh, the ammonia inhalants like, uh, you know, smell us Like if somebody gets knocked out, I've also seen those used before big, powerful, uh, body lift, uh, bench press max outs or squats. Um, just looking so pissed. Um, and it was really funny cause they do all this work for security and they had one guy, bless his heart, who couldn't stop a fucking a fifth grader's punch, kind of nervously walking with him. Then they had this little pint-sized, uh, kind of jack, little guy that was walking with him too, giving him instructions. So I saw the next night on Raw, so he must be employed by WWE. Um, and there was like eight people. I could have, I mean, I literally could have t- walked out and just touched touched him if I wanted to. And like an idiot, I got in front of him and flexed. And it's on camera, and it's pretty funny. Because um, I dressed up as him as Halloween last year We all dressed as The Shield last year I'll link that picture at the bottom of this podcast too So you guys can check that out We dress as wrestlers every year If you live in the Northeast, if you live in Maine And you want to have a good time on Halloween The Thirsty Pig, 7 o'clock Bissell Brothers, greatest beer in the country right now My buddy owns it Gotta dress as a wrestler to get in We do it every year If you want to have fun, you like wrestling Bissell Brothers, Halloween Party, Throwdown Wrestler, wrestler Edition Be there, be square Completely uh, off topic, but that just wanted to let you guys know about that. Anyway, so after seeing Reigns two feet away, we went back to the seats. Um, Good match. Wyatt and Reigns worked a good 10-15 minute match. It's funny to see Reigns at a house show. People love him at house shows. Maybe 98% cheers, a few dudes booing. Um, Good pop, biggest pop of the night. Um, People love Wyatt too. Good match, uh, st- uh, beef stroganoff, bronze strong ass man, whatever his name is, came down to try to uh, help Bray. Ambrose came out, um, took care of them. Uh, I, somehow they ended up with a table in the ring, and Roman did a power bomb, a walking power bomb into the table, and covered him one two three for the win to uh, to kind of send everybody home, kind of happy after a to cover up kind of a subpar show. Um, But it was fun, though. we went out afterwards, had a few more beers, because I knew that I had Raw the next night, I knew that Raw was going to be a better, you know, more of a spectacle than this. Um, It is... I I noted this when I wrote into somebody some results from the show. It's really concerning to see the attendance. And then I checked around, and I guess Bangor was just as bad. I guess Worcester was just as bad, which I would not think that would be, with Cena especially. Um, I'm just after the podcast last week, the wrestling's in a weird place podcast, wrestling's really in a weird place. Um, you know, you want to keep making money in these small markets. It kind of blows my mind. They keep coming back to Portland because the last two shows I've been to in Portland have not been very full. It's pretty weird. Um, it's just so weird how they can go from 1400 Sunday night to 14,000 sold out at Boston the next night. It just was, uh, it's a weird thing. It's it's definitely troubling to see that small amount of people in an arena. Granted, Portland's very hipster; they don't they don't love their wrestling like old Kyle does here. Um, so, you know, for what it's worth, uh, but it's definitely uh, it's definitely dependent on what mood the guys are in, the sound in the place, the lighting, um, day of the week. Uh, it's it's a lot of kids. Um, Raw was not many kids. <laughs> Uh, a few kids, but uh, a lot of families. Um, and then us, you know, drinking bad Blue in the third row, screaming uh, Virgil and Ric Flair and DDP and stuff like that just to be assholes. But anyway, so that was our Poland experience on Sunday night. Okay, so moving on to Raw. Um, again, like I said, hadn't been to a Raw in 15 years. Yes, 15 years, uh, the night Stone Cold was named the new CEO of the company uh, by Linda and Stephanie McMahon and heard one of the loudest ovations I've ever heard in my entire life. Uh, so yeah, I hadn't been, I mean, but I was saying to my roommate earlier though, uh, going to a Raw is just so different than a house show. I mean, the, the Titans tron and the stage and the jib booms and the cameras and the lights and the... Production and the fireworks are louder, and the crowd is louder. Um, it's just more of an experience than watching it on TV. And for some reason, they I I watched it on Hulu today, and I think they turned down the crowd volume because there were some really loud ovations. I mean, their Reigns got a loud ovation. Um, New Day really did. Uh, 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 obviously, Brock Lesnar. Uh, I just feel like they they turn down some of the crowd volume sometimes. It takes away from the show. I mean, if you couldn't tell on TV, it was a really, really hyped crowd. I mean, everybody was into most everything from start to finish. I mean, the only thing that really got kind of a stale reaction was uh, uh, Rusev and La- uh, Summer Rae, Lana. Summer Rae, the proposal, which is I'll get to, which is just so, so... <laughs> So very weird uh, in so many ways. All right, back to Raw. I just want to say, too, to get this out on time, I am fucking exhausted. <laughs> it's about 11 o'clock on a Tuesday night, so it'll be on iTunes, set to go in the morning, and on our, you know, it's Um, I went back to the gym today for the first time, just a side note here, uh, from a pinched nerve in my neck, and I feel like I ran a marathon. I haven't worked a muscle in my body for four weeks. So I'm getting through this. I'm not sipping coffee. I'm not making that mistake. I have no fucking Monster because Monster hasn't sent me their case. Shout out to Monster Energy Drink, especially the blue, the red, the white, the yellow. They're all my favorite. Monster, I love you. Proud sponsor of this podcast for sure. So anyway, pick up my buddy Chris Viner, who's in a great band when particles collide in Exeter, New Hampshire on the way down to Boston the ride goes like two seconds. It's like an hour and 50 minutes from Portland. Uh, people, Some people say two if you're old and you drive slow. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so pick them up. We get down there. We park. We walk over. We get some beers before with one of our buddies who also will be on this podcast very soon, the Queen of Wrestling. Uh, that's all you need to know, the Queen of Wrestling. I'm not giving you her name. I almost gave her a fucking name on the internet. Sorry, guys. You're never going to know her name. Uh, but she is in our wrestling group on Facebook and, uh, she's quite opinionated when it comes to wrestling. Uh, knows her shit, uh, more than the average wrestling fan would and you would never expect it. Um, and pulls off a great Roddy Piper on Halloween as well too. From so I hear, um, so we meet her, we have a few beers, uh, and immediately I can tell this night is different. This night is way different than the night before. It, the, the bar we're in is chanting new day rocks. They're chanting Cena sucks. Uh, there's kids, there's older guys, there's people our age, in our late 20s, early 30s. And it's just it's just a different, different atmosphere. Everybody's walking around on Causeway Street. If you've ever been to Boston, it's a street right in front of the garden. Um, you know, we decided to head over. Uh, I was adamant about not seeing fucking superstars. I did not want to see anything to do with superstars. I didn't want to see that. We were already going to be there for three hours and change anyway. I did not want to be there wasting my time on, uh, on superstars. So... Yeah, so we get there, and I'm happy we went, because um, the first match we saw was Cesaro versus the new Adam Rose gimmick. Okay, and I'll tell you something right now. Out of the pops of the night, tied with, like, Orton and Reigns and the Ambrose, like that shield kind of, those guys, that level, um, Cesaro got, like, one of the loudest pops of the night. Truly one of the loudest pops of the night. He did a fucking Cesaro swing to Adam Rose. I'm not even kidding. The crowd counted to ten. He kept going to 20. He slowed down like he was going to stop and went up to 30, 35 seconds of swinging him. Fucking unbelievable. Huge pop. Gets the win. I think Adam Rose's character is funny. Um, But yeah. So again, it was funny because I go, man, I go, if Cesaro wrestled on superstars, is he going to wrestle on Raw? Like, why wouldn't he wrestle on Raw? And you guessed it. Cesaro was not on Raw last night. Um, Can anybody tell me why anybody at WWE does not want to push Cesaro. And I know the joke is, oh, I don't think they're relating to him because he's Swiss from Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Um, you know how amazing Cesaro versus Brock Lesnar would be? Truly. You know how amazing that would be? How, how many amazing things Cesaro could do with that nobody's seen done to Lesnar before? And, uh, you know, pulling a good match out of Lesnar beyond just suplexes? I mean, really, truly, it would be fucking incredible. But that's just another hope of uh, most internet wrestling fans, which, by the way, are wrestling fans, WWE. Uh, we're not just a pocket of people. It's everybody in the world now has the internet, so that's what everybody thinks. So, yeah. So they get ready to go to Raw, and Lillian Garcia gets in the ring, and they do this fake thing where it's like it's like 750. Still have like... You know, ten minutes before Raw starts, she's like, "All right, we're going live in five minutes." And I'm thinking, like, or in like five seconds. And she's like, "If you want to be on Raw, if you want to be in the, you know, get your signs out, make a lot of noise, da da da, da this and that." And they set it up like Raw's about to start, and they do a countdown. And it wasn't the start of Raw at all. They just taped like the segment of like when they pan over the crowd and do all this stuff. It's really weird how they set up these segments before like they go live to actual segments. Uh, like, maybe for B-roll or something. Like, it's kind of weird. Um, but they, like, tricked us into getting hype board. And then they, like, had, like, a video package. And then I think, um, God, what was the other tag match that happened? Uh, Primetime Players versus um, The Ascension. Yeah, they had that match with, like, two minutes left to go to Live Raw at 8 o'clock. Um, then they played the video package of the Kane and Seth Rollins stuff um then they did the pyro which i was very happy to see because sometimes they don't do the pyro like i was like i really hope they do the pyro it was great was super super loud crowd was amped and then all of a sudden they hit brock lesnar's music and um the place erupts uh first time seeing lesnar in person huge pop boston loved him before he even got in the ring they were chanting suplex city Uh, you know, for two guys who really love wrestling, you know, everybody, we were going nuts, me and Chris, but everybody else in the, in the place was going nuts as well. Heyman starts cutting a promo. Uh, as good as, as good as Heyman is on the mic, uh, this is so much of what we've heard. This is what we heard the night after the last time they fought at SummerSlam, literally just going through the end of the match and... It just seemed like it wasn't gonna end it's like okay we're rehashing this stuff um and there still is a weird vibe like in the building everybody loves lesnar until Haven starts ripping the undertaker as soon as he starts ripping the undertaker um there's some boos it's like this weird thing where people don't want to boo the undertaker um you know, even when they show them you know, doing the low blow and the tap out, like there's just this thing that their people just don't want to boo the Undertaker. So anytime they brought that up, uh, there was boos in the building. I don't know if you can hear them on TV. Um, <clears throat> so they basically kind of say, you know, this is the last time we're gonna fight. Which I fucking am so happy about that. I mean, I they kind of fucked themselves anyway doing the SummerSlam match because it's like, gosh, the whole can of worms that I want to open up. They kind of fucked themselves because. He beat him at WrestleMania, everybody saw him win at SummerSlam, and then there's no explanation from him or Undertaker the next day, or uh, just no explanation of, of why the match ended that way. It was just so weird and awkward. Now it's like, oh, we're going to have to wait to WrestleMania to see this again? When the majority of wrestling fans, like I can tell you, especially me, don't want to see it again. Like, just... Just didn't want to see it like it doesn't make any sense for taker to come back and beat brock two times in a row and if he does it just where does that leave you know they beat taker i could see if he beats taker taker goes away to wrestlemania he rides off into the sunset one last match at wrestlemania which with god knows who i mean i, I don't know who could possibly be his, his wrestlemania opponent it's not going to be sting after night of champions obviously um you know daniel bryan if the WBA ever clears him who knows who knows um but, yeah, so, you know, I think that's going to be the scenario. Because what what other scenario would there be? You know, Brock's going away after this until Royal Rumble time then um, back for WrestleMania. And it's like, well, if Taker goes over, where does that leave Brock? Because Brock is the, you know, he's the guy who moves the dial, doesn't move the dial a lot, but moves the dial a little bit. And he's the big attraction. He's the, you know, he's right there with Cena. Not with merch with Cena and things like that, but Brock is that, you know, uh, respectable, uh, taken-seriously guy that will bring in more people than than are watching now, which the ratings, which we'll get to in a minute, are at an all-time low, and they are going down every single week. As of right now, I haven't seen anything come out. Uh, I heard that they went up about 10%, 15% uh, of Raw viewership last night, but there's not an official number yet. But, uh... But yeah, it's not looking good. Um, So they cut the promo. Big Show comes out. Hearing his music live and hearing that stupid, stupid fucking theme song that he's had since 1999, which sounds like a country rock rap, awful, terrible, just... God, it's making me depressed thinking about it right now. um, Song, and just... He's just... As soon as he gets in the ring, you couldn't hear it on TV. He got a Please Retire chant, or maybe you could. Um, He says, you know... I tried to take you, take you down this past week at Sunday, you know, at Mass Square Garden this past weekend. Um, you know, you were the better man. Shake my hand. And Brock, Brock nonchalantly just walks right by him. You know, as he's trying to go out, he goes, Oh, I hope I'm afraid I respect Taker and I hope Taker beat your ass again, or something like that. So Brock comes back in, belly to belly is his big ass, F5s him, leaves him laying. End of opening segment. Pretty long for an opening segment. Uh nothing was really accomplished with this, other than just People getting happy that they saw Big Show, Big Show get his fat fucking ass thrown around again. Um, beyond that, it was, you know, no storylines progressed. You know, it was kind of weird. And Chris and I were kind of like, okay, like, they're trying to get the ratings going. Okay, that was a, that was a opening segment. Okay, let's get people excited. Here's Brock Lesnar. But nothing really got accomplished. Um, you know, they go to a backstage segment. And then they immediately go to a Roman Reigns entrance. Uh so it'd be like there's no commercial break. But then so he comes out and great again, I'll tell you, 80-20 cheers. He's getting more cheers. I mean, I think a heel run would be perfect for Reigns like they did with The Rock in 98 when he was finally getting the people, getting the people, getting the people. They turned him and people were so anxious for him to be a baby face again that they believed in him as a heel, they hated him as a heel, and then sooner or later they just didn't want to they just didn't want to boom anymore and became a good, you know, a face for the rest of his career up until the very end. Um, so he comes out and then he just, the awkwardness is when they do these TV tapings, they're still in commercial. So (laughs) he just stands in the ring, uh, in the dark by himself. And it's like a real mood killer. It's really weird They come back from commercial or they play his entrance, you know, 20 seconds later, Dean comes out. Great reaction. Randy comes out. Great reaction. The Wyatts, the fireflies thing live with 14,000 people is, is so awesome. It's so cool. Um, uh, they come out and it was, again, we're sitting there Chris and I are going, well, they're really trying to pop a rating. Like they're putting on this, you know, really good six man, uh, right after the Brock segment. So they are really trying to keep people like just locked in and be like, Oh wow, this is going to be great. And I think they cut out some of the match on TV, um, or at least on, at least on Hulu today when I saw it. Um, uh, but this was like a 12, 15 minute match. Like it was, it was pretty good. A little slow in the beginning, uh, got really good at the end. Um, the spear that Reigns gave Harper was, it looked really vicious from where we were. It even looked vicious on TV. Um, the thing at the end was really dumb with Reigns being like, I'm going to beat your ass and end it. Believe that. I, can we just let Roman Reigns speak from the heart at some point? You just, every line, it's like a line in a video game. It's like you're, it's like he's spewing out a catchphrase that you hear in a video game. Um, but, yeah, so the crowd was, like, at this point, the crowd was hyped. Everything was loud. Um, things were going really well. And I'm just trying to recall here how the how the night went. Um, let's see here. Uh, they show Kane. That's what that's what it was. next. Like. They show Kane walking, which, for some reason, Kane got a pop. And uh, he came out um, to the ring. Him and Seth had a verbal confrontation. Again, I'm just so perplexed by... WWE right now <laughs> with this angle. I mean, they have Wyatt and, 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 um, Reigns, Helen Cell. they have Taker, Lesnar, New Day, Deadly boys. This might be a mid mid show have a championship uh, match to be honest with you. Um, I just cannot believe they can't find somebody. And this, this again, it's it, sh- it. They need more clearly defined heels. Like, You have your heel come out in Seth Rollins wearing a Rise Above Cancer shirt. Now, don't get me wrong. Um, I love doing stuff with charities. The business that I run, we work with charities and organizations every single month and we donate money through our clothing and I have worked with Susan G. Komen, uh, main affiliate. Um, The only guy not wearing a shirt last night was Brock Lesnar. I feel like if you're kind of a face and you're coming out, uh, you can have on that shirt. It even works for The New Day. Um, cause they're kind of fan favorite heels a little bit, but, uh, having the shirt on Rollins and having it on, uh, some of these heels, like the Bellas, it just, it just blurs the line between heels and baby faces and, and who we should cheer for. It's like, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to cheer and boo a guy, Seth Rollins, who, you know, dated a Nazi and sent dick pics and you're supposed to be this dastardly heel and um you know is this little slimy guy but it's like he's wearing a rise above cancer shirt how should i boo a guy wearing that shirt like it's like the weirdest thing kane and him had a back and forth um then the weirdest thing happened and this is where raw got really weird in person um seeing it live you're happy because you see somebody coming out and it's a pop and they're feeding the crowd and it's loud but watching it back on TV, it's really weird because you get caught up in it when you're there. Because this is an awesome experience. It really is. Uh, we had great seats. Um, but Stephanie McMahon comes out. who The last time we saw her, she was dancing with New Day and she was a face. But before that, she was part of the authority and she was trying to screw Sting. And before that, she was trying to screw uh, Cena and all this stuff. Um, and they, they flip-flop so much. It's so confusing to the casual viewer. You can't invest in anything. She comes out and she starts talking about uh, Tom Brady and getting all these cheap pops like she's Mick Foley in 1999 talking about how he's a winner and how he doesn't cheat to win like Seth and he leads and Seth should lead. And she basically says, if Kane wants to be your tag team partner later tonight, uh, he can be or something like that. Um, And it just was, it just leaves. So you're like, what? But then they go backstage and she's heel Stephanie to the new day. And it's like, what, you just, it's, I know what's going on because I know wrestling. A casual fan, I'll bring this up many times in this podcast, a casual fan tuning in won't know where to begin. They're going to feel like they're the dumbest person in the world because unless you watch all the time, which is a very small majority of people who follow every single thing they put out uh, week to week, you're going to forget. And I think I heard it on somebody else's podcast. Solid Sounds Off, one of my favorite podcasts. He does a great job. He was talking about how they want you to forget. Week to week, it used to be that storylines bled into the next week, next week, next week, built to a point, and then you got a payoff. Um, that's not the case anymore. They promote the show for that night, like he said, in his podcast. And the show is just that night. And then the next, the next night, it's different. And the next Monday, it's different. And something could happen the week before, and they want you to just flush and forget it because each week's a new week. And that's why you see people dropping off in ratings because things change so much. And it's like, you want people to be attached to something, and you're not letting them be attached when you do all this flip-flopping of characters, even if it is Stephanie McMahon. So, you know, yeah. You know, so, live, it's different. Seeing it back on TV when I watched it today, um, man, it just, uh... It, it was really confusing. If you were watching at home, it at home, you you would be really confused. I think up next was Sheamus versus Neville, which, fuck, this was so depressing. Neville, like, you just constantly call him like a leprechaun. I think JBL calls him a leprechaun now. I've seen this guy like four times in the past year in person. He's fucking jacked. 5'10", 5'9", probably 200, 210 absolutely so impressive in person um what the fuck are you doing with them? you have them come out and you have them just get one two squash mash to, to sheamus which by the fucking way wwe i am really looking forward to seeing what you do with sheamus with that briefcase because when that motherfucker cashes it in it will probably be the most booed cash in next to the miz ever so that's so all I'm gonna say on that. I cannot believe Wade Barrett was at ringside for some reason. So they got all of the uh, the British guys or the English guys in in one segment. So that was probably good enough for Vince. No idea why this happened. Um, I was pumped up about uh, uh, Kevin Owens coming out, and uh, this was like a this was really weird. They almost did like a house, show, and you, you probably wouldn't even see this at a house show because Kevin Owens has been working Jericho and Cena and all and. Uh, Cesaro at house shows. Um, he comes out. There's no, like, um, there's no, like, mention of who he's wrestling. He just comes out and wrestles Sin Cara, which is just, I, what the fuck, WWE? I, oh, God. Can you hear? Can, can you hear the frustration in my voice? Um, well, so he finally, after a few minutes, gives him the pop-up power, power bomb. Excuse me. Um, he starts beating him down. Uh, uh, Ryback comes out to zero reaction and, uh, and some booze. Chases him out of the ring. Owens comes out of the ring and actually runs right in front of where, my, where my, me and my buddy are sitting. And he's so good as a heel. As the camera comes off him, he turns around the corner. And there's this little kid with a belt in a Cena shirt, and the kid is like, F you, you know. I don't know if he's saying F you, he's screaming at him, Owens pretends like he's going to cock back and hit him, and he's hes not even close to the kid, but he just, you know, he does a little lean in, and the kid kind of like does it back to him, and the referee, uh, not the referee, the security guard doesn't see it, so the security guard goes over and, you know, starts harassing this kid, now if Kevin Owens, the camera's off him, but he's still in character, he could have easily been like, Uh, no 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 no! You know he didn't. It was me. I I I instigated it. He just walks backstage, flips the kid off, and keeps walking. (laughs) Oh, he's such a gem, dude. Kevin Owens, man, keep doing you, man. You're the fucking man. Uh, We love you. We're you know we're staying consistent with you, even though they put you in this really confusing match. Um, Natalia versus Paige. I don't get WWE. That's pretty much the theme of every every wrestling podcast. I think you're gonna hear. Isn't talk about how they're not understanding um, what WWE is doing. It makes um, makes no sense really. Um, didn't they have a feud like with Paige cutting like this ridiculous promo, the pipe bomb that she had, and then Natalya like took issue with it, and they built on like this this kind of like feud that like we thought was gonna to lead to a pay per view match, but then they just give it to us for free on Raw. Um, which 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 where the baby face goes over. So it's like storyline squash there. Where, where could they possibly go from here? Like, well, I know you beat me clean last week in the ring, uh, but let's go to hell on a cell and, and let's let's <laughs> let's race the stakes. Um again, I fucking hate Natalia. Probably a great worker. Total diva's ruined it for me, the ultimate punisher, and I hate cats and she's a cat person and just a weird cat lady, and there you go. Page is cool. Uh, people related her into Paige. Um, interesting side note here. The entire night, probably four or five separate times, the crowd chanted very, very loudly, We Want Sasha. I mean, she She's from Boston. She trained in Boston. Got her start there. Um, so the guy I was with is in a band, like I said, a great duo when particles collide. Look them up if you get a chance. And he's a drummer, and his, his wife is the lead singer, Sasha. And so they kept chanting, we want Sasha. So every time the crowd would do this, cause it's, you know, 12, 13, 14,000 people really chanting this loudly. He would, he would tape the audio on his phone and he's gonna, he's like, man, he goes, I'm going to try to get Sasha to <laughs> let us have this on our next record. <laughs> and it was great. Cause they did it this over and over and over and over and over again. Um, when, when they were bored, there was a few times little, some spots and matches, like especially at Natalia versus Paige, they were chanting it, um, Sheamus versus Neville. They were chanting it uh, in between commercial breaks. They were chanting it. Uh, WWE, you, look, give people what they want. You got to stop this. I mean, people in the back have to hear it. I mean, you have to hear it. You have to see it. I mean, you're hearing these people just chant, "We want Sasha" over and over and over again. And I'm a huge Sasha Banks fan. Let her, let her run with it. Let let her see what she can do. What's the worst thing that can happen? She doesn't do as good as you think she does, and she ends up being just a great wrestler for you guys, a great women's wrestler, great. I think she can take the ball and run with it. And for fuck's sake, stop calling it the Divas Championship, please. I don't know how you can promote a show for NXT TakeOver with Bayley and Sasha Banks to call it the Women's Championship, and then go to Raw and be like, yeah, but the Divas title. Fuck your fucking Divas title. That belt is so atrocious. I... If I was, if I was any, whoever has the most pull there as a diva, I would go to Vince McMahon himself or anybody in charge and say, can we please change the belt? What's the worst thing going to happen? At least he knows that you think it sucks or you plant that seed in his head. God, I don't know. Anyway, then they had Team Bella versus Team Bad. Um, I saw a tweet earlier where someone said, if John Cena loved Boston so much, you think he would run uh, down and rip that stupid fucking Yankees hat off the Bellas head. No cheers for the Bellas completely booed crowd. Finally got what they wanted. We got a teaser package when they first came into the Boston, when Nikki was wearing that stupid, stupid New York Yankees hat. And as soon as Sasha got on the screen, people lost their minds and loved it. So she comes out, they cheer. Um, even when she wasn't in, she was getting the chance. Um, you know, eventually, uh, Team Bad ends up uh, going over here with Sasha with the uh, the bank statement. Um, I think Sasha's the next big thing. I mean, I know they put it on Charlotte, but Charlotte, to me, is just very vanilla. Out of the girls they called up, I think Sasha's the last back. I mean, she's relying on her, the the woo. When she does the woo in interviews, which she did after this match, it's so awkward. It's, it, he's your dad. We get it. It's weird to see you woo as a hot woman, with fake boobs and a flat ass who's the champion. Like it's weird to see you woo in every interview. Like you don't need to do that. We just want to hear your thoughts. Um, out of all of them, she's a the third back. I like, um, um, Jesus Christ. Can't even think of her name right now. Um, last kicker. They, uh, Jesus Christ. I can't even, th- that, that's That's how tired I am right now. I am, um, I am Becky Lynch. Jeez, I can't even think right now. I'm so tired. It's midnight here. Uh, Becky Lynch second and uh, Sasha Banks first. I mean Charlotte Flair I, it was weird how they just took they put that on her. They could have built it more. Um but I would really love... And, they, you know, and all of this, too, it's kind of funny. They have so much talent up there right now that they don't know what to do with it. And all this talk a few months ago about how Eva Marie was the next big thing in getting a push, sit the fuck down, Eva Marie. You just injured Carmella at a house show. You forgot to kick out twice on televised shows. You have a very long way to go and your fake nose and your fake tits are not going to get you there. Please go with the people who the people want, the audience wants. Sasha Banks, Becky Lynch, Paige, uh, even a small pocket of weird cat people that like Natalia. Just give people what they want, please. I can't stress this enough. Only, like, 50-year-old perverts and, like, 15-year-old boys like the big fake tit thing. Nobody cares, Vince McMahon. That day is, that ship has sailed. Nobody cares. Um. So, yeah. Then, a really weird segment um, with... Rusev and I cannot believe they gave this segment like twelve minutes or fifteen minutes. Summer Rae and Rusev, where she calls him Ruru a few times and proposes to him, and the crowd's chanting no, and he tells everybody to shut up, and then he says yes, but not yet. Get me a championship or help me win a championship, and then yes. Um. What am I supposed to think about this, WWE? I, I, um, I'm i not going to give this any more attention because this makes absolutely no sense. Uh, the Rusev and the Ziggler thing has gone on far too long. Lana is out. Summer Rae is terrible. Uh, you're having her propose to Rusev. I, I, I'm failing to see the storyline here. Um, call me crazy. Um... So then we have, you know, like 10 minutes left in Raw. If they go past the hour? You know, 25 minutes. And um, they've been booking and building and building and building this big U.S. Open challenge all night. So you're thinking like, wow, like they're going to give this like 20 minutes. You know, it's like 11.50, uh, 10.50, excuse me. They have to like 11.10, 11.15. This is going to be, you know, a a surprise guest or it's going to be, you know, just somebody who's going to put on a good match. So he comes out. He does his whole kissing people's ass thing with uh, he's back in Boston, whatever. Uh, it's still mind-blowing to me that he gets booed so badly in his hometown. Uh, it's funny. It it uh, It's really sad. You know the thing is, though? You know what would make that crowd cheer him? Is if he came out and he cut a scathing fucking heel promo saying they can kiss his ass for all the years of booing him, people would leave there going, John Cena is the coolest motherfucker. I'm a fan of that guy. Um, but, uh, WWE, you obviously know better than your fans or what the fans want. Uh, just keep shoving them down our throats. Um, so Ziggler's music hits and there's a really good pop, really good pop. Cause a lot of people are like, well, okay, I guess he's coming out, coming out uh, total divas storyline where he's hitting on Nikki, which I still think is a complete work. And it's just a, a, a storyline for them to try to bring over total divas fans to raw, which is not going to work. So he comes out, or doesn't come out, excuse me. He he gets drug out of the back by the New Day, who up until now have been a face act, turned heel because they were so corny, now have, have partially been faced because they're so entertaining and they're so good. Literally are the best part of Raw every week with Xavier Woods and that trumpet. Um, it's just so funny. It's so funny. Um, but they come out looking like they just gang beat up this guy. And it's like, "Well, wait a minute. You're now these vicious heels. So I'm supposed to take you seriously now." Um so I'm confused by that. They come down. They, you know, it's kind of funny. You know, probably next up the challenge would be Kofi because last week it was Xavier. And it's Big E, which immediately at that point deflated the crowd. I could tell you at that point the crowd was like, meh. Um, the worst of the open challenge matches to date, I think. Most of the open challenge matches have been very entertaining and, um, you know, very, very, com- you know, highly you know, competitive. And just, you know, look at where they've started with Kevin Owens and Neville and Sami Zayn and, you know, Cesaro and all these awesome open challenge matches. This just didn't live up to the hype. You know, the crowd was tired at this point. We're three and a half hours in. Um, the match at the end just the ending of it was just so weird and it was hard to tell in person when the cameras cut off so i watched it today back in hulu and the cameras cut off when the new day got the better of the dudleys uh the awkward like the the awkward super kick that ziggler gave cena so it's like maybe they're trying to set up something with ziggler and cena because Cena's scheduled to go away here um for a few people have been saying months i heard six weeks uh, I, I highly doubt WWE and their fragile state right now would want their top money-making babyface to go away—not uh, even babyface, just money maker—to go away for months um, after this next pay-per-view. So I would, I would say, a month to six weeks, maybe if that miss one pay-per-view and come back in time for the second one, um, which I think would be TLC. So new Ish finish, uh, Dudley Boys, Ziggler, New Day, they all fight each other. New Day leaves triumphant, I guess, building the tag. They tried to cram all this shit into one, but the only thing that was really crammed into it was just the the tag team bout because Cena is not set up with anybody yet for the pay-per-view, and neither is Ziggler, but it's looking like it's going to be in both. Then as soon as the cameras go off, New Day comes back into the ring. They get their asses kicked. Um... They Ziggler, Cena, Dudley Boy start pushing each other around, like saying "Get the tables." They get the tables. They beat the crap out of Kofi and Biggie. Kofi and Biggie go to sleep on the floor. They put Xavier through the table. The face, uh, the baby faces celebrate to uh, Cena's music. Um, They all like hug on the stage and go backstage, and it just was really awkward because it's like uh, next week probably Cena and and Ziggler will be feuding. Um, So Raw started really, really awesomely. Um, some of the segments were weird. Uh, it, you know, it's 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 entertaining. It really is. If you get a chance to go to a RAW, really go or pay per view. I don't know about SmackDown, but uh it really is a. It's really uh, over over house shows for sure. Um, except for that one house show I saw in Boston when The Rock came back. That was a gem, and I think a lot of. I think Sam Roberts was even quoted as saying him and Katie Lindal were saying, uh, it might have been the best live house show they've ever seen, and I would agree. Um. But watching it back on TV, oh, man, very confusing. Uh, just some of the segments, the New Day flip-flopping, Stephanie flip-flopping, the Seth Rollins and Kane, which it's it's not good when the audience doesn't care, WWE. Like It's not good when they don't care. Just remember that. <laughs> and uh, you're you're getting to a point where you're putting on matches that... Um, people are just not caring about. Most people go, Meh. I don't care who wins that match. I think I'm, I think most people are kind of intrigued to see what WWE was ta- WWE does with Taker and Lesnar. Um, they've kind of watered down the Dudley Boys. I think people want to see the New Day keep them. Um, I'm not even sure who Kevin Owens is facing at the ne- next pay per view. Why not? Why did they not? Why did they stop pushing Kevin Owens and Cesaro? That could have been a fantastic fucking feud. That could have been a feud that went on for 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 months. Best of five, best of seven. Just let them go. Just let them put on good matches. What are you scared of? Let them go. That's why. Again, I touch on this again. NXT is less talk, more go. The talk means something, and it's very minimal, and it's the shit. I personally think that. Um, I personally think that where Raw is in such a weird place right now with the two point three, they may have done a two four last night. I talked about it last week about how they're never gonna get those fans back because they put too much um they put too much out there anyway. So you know, it's they're never gonna get that back. But what they can do is they can put on better programming and slide maybe back into the threes because you'll bring over like that NXT audience. I know I know people that just watch NXT and indies and don't watch Raw because NXT holds up against really good indie wrestling. Um Anywhere in the world, uh, even New Japan. Uh, you know, a lot of people are anti WWE, but they watch NXT. Um, I personally think that if you tried to copy the format of NXT to Raw, I think that you would do. If they had to do an experiment, if they did one week Raw like NXT, where it's an hour and a half, two hour se- uh, segment uh, setup, excuse me, um, instead of a three hour, which a lot of people. You know, we're rehashing old stuff here. It just does not work. doesn't work. It's, it's just, unless you're watching the greatest three-hour movie of all time, no one sits still for that long. It's just not going to happen. Um, so it's just, uh, they do things to pop ratings. And um, people now don't watch it live. Why would you watch it live? You watch the segments you pick and choose and cherry-pick the ones you want to watch the next day on Hulu? Or... Watch it on YouTube 30 minutes after it happens, um, but if you're putting on good matches that you can't get all on YouTube, or that you have to kind of watch live because you don't want to wait till the next day, like Owens and Balor and the women's division down in NXT and Samoa Joe and Sami Zayn and Neville when he was there and Enzo and Big Cass and uh, you know even Baron Corbin I think is gonna be a great heel. Um, I feel like if you put a experiment together, actually, you know what? No, there isn't. There was an experiment. Brooklyn, SummerSlam. Look at the crowd at NXT and look at SummerSlam. The better show, far and away, we're out of your crowd, more emotion. NXT. Somebody, if you minus the Rollins and Cena match at SummerSlam, uh... Nothing else stood up at SummerSlam in that four-hour show besides NXT TakeOver. Um, WWE, I think the only way to save their ratings right now is to kind of switch over to a format of, 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 of NXT and let let the guys go. Bring Finn Balor up. Uh, bring Enzo and Big, you know, just let them wrestle. Let them be larger-than-life characters. Um, and I think that primarily has to do with Vince McMahon versus Triple H. Triple H confirmed just yesterday in an interview. He is in control of NXT. Vince doesn't have the final say. Well, there you go. That's why NXT is NXT. That's why um, it looks better. It's shot better. It's not overly produced. The, the announcers are, are produced less. You can tell. Um, and then you look at WWE, and it's just the over-the-top announcing, Um the segments that make no sense, the three-hour format, um, the content—that's there's too much content out there. The overexposed baby faces, the overexposed heels—it um, makes no sense. Um, to be honest, I think there's no saving it. I don't think you, even with that RAW coming up, where they're having Stone Cold and HBK and Flair—I think or something like that—that's not gonna. That's gonna be interesting because if they pull a two, if they pull, a, if they pull a three, they're gonna be let down. You're bringing back the biggest star next to Hulk Hogan and The Rock in the history of wrestling to make an appearance on Raw, on Raw. Not for tough enough, not for any of this other stuff, on Raw to come out to his music like Stone Cold's supposed to. If they do a two-eight, man, you're gonna see Vince. You're gonna. It's gonna be. There's gonna be some panic buttons being hit in uh, in Stanford. Um, but like I said, the way to fix what you have is follow the formula NXT. Did anybody know most of the guys in NXT when it started? Over time, they casually brought in the Sami Zayn's, the Owens, the Joes, the Finn Balors. But up until last year, it was unknown people, Enzo and Big Cass, um, uh, all of the women, uh, the original Shield, uh, you know, Rusev, Roman, you know, all these guys. Like they, no one knew who they were. But the wrestling and the format made people invest. That's my idea. I'm gonna be anxious to see this next year play out. This is a critical, critical year in the history of pro wrestling. Um, you know, the, it's 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 critical. I'm gonna I'm always gonna be a pro wrestling fan. I always hope for the best, uh, but these declining ratings and this booking and just the overall dilemma they have with NXT being better than the, their current product. It's gonna be, it's gonna be uh, interesting, not fun. Interesting to sit back and watch this unfold. Um, so yeah, so it's uh, it's pretty late here uh, in Portland, Maine. Uh, I have had a tough week. It's gonna be tougher tomorrow. Uh, but uh, you know, it's two late nights with wrestling back to back. Those are my house show and Raw results. Uh, what I saw, what I thought was cool in person. If you get a chance, go to these live events. Um, there'll always be something good that you like. Uh, the show I went to in Portland, it's a, it's a small market. It's a weird uh, city for pro wrestling. But if you get a chance to go to a house show, it's great because they, they're much more laid back, but you get a chance to kind of see the guys up close more. And, and you know, they, they put on better matches sometimes. Uh, but Raw, the next night, uh, as far as production value and the, the loudness and the scene it was, very, very cool. Uh, so, again, if you get a chance, go. Um, and, you know, if you get a chance to accost Roman Reigns in the hallway, flex in front of him too. That's the biggest advice I can give you. I did. And also dress as Miss as Halloween. If I can link that on the, on the, uh, the podcast's pictures and links, I will do that. Like I said, it's late as fuck here. <laughs> uh, thank you, guys. Uh, we're getting a lot more plays every every week. I appreciate you guys spreading the word. Like I said, it might not always just be me talking. It might be guests. It might be phone reviews. It might be uh, friends. I'm going to switch it up here in the coming weeks. Thank you guys for supporting. Uh, Shoot me an email if you have any messages, comments. If you think I fucking suck, write to me and say that too. Uh, Tell me if I say um too much. I know I do that. Uh, If you have ideas for format of the show, send it to me. If you have uh, guests you think you want to have on the show, if you want to be a guest yourself, just write to me. You know, it's fake right at gmail.com. You know, it's fake right Uh, dot podbean dot com. We are on, uh, you can get the direct link there. You can play it on any um, Podcast device or app on, you know, Google Chrome or or iTunes Store. And then, especially at the end there, obviously, iTunes. You know, it's fake right podcasts in the pro wrestling category on iTunes. Rate it, like it, subscribe. Uh, catch you guys next week. Uh, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Later. I grabbed so many. Vincent K. McMahon's imaginary brass rings that it's finally dawned on me that it, they're just that. They're completely imaginary. And the only thing that's real is me.